And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On August 29th, 2021, live from the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, ESPN aired a game between high school powerhouse IMG Academy and Bishop Sycamore High School. There was just one problem. Bishop Sycamore didn't seem to exist. How is it possible that this team was able to get on the schedule of a perennial powerhouse? I knew that something wasn't right. Football Twitter went nuts. It appeared that Bishop Sycamore didn't have a building, there were no teachers, no classes, and the guys on the field, were they even in high school? And who was Roy Johnson, Bishop Sycamore's head coach? I will not lie about something I can prove. I'm not going to tell you that we did something and we didn't when I can prove it. But you're comfortable to lie about things that can't be proven? Yes. As the scandal unfolded on live television, one question kept coming up over and over again. How did this happen? Whatever level of nefarious behavior was happening, there was absolutely an atmosphere of chaos. Uncontrolled chaos was the Bishop Sycamore brand. My name is Mary Pallon, and I'm the host of the BS High podcast, the official companion podcast to BS High, the HBO documentary. As a reporter and editor on BS High, I'll be joined by some of my old colleagues discussing one of the wildest rides of many of our careers. It was a tier effort that brought together some big guns. HBO, The Athletic, Dirty Robber, Matador, Smack, and Hyper Object. Among those heavy hitters is the star of this episode, Spencer Paysinger. It was just this, this phenomenon that came out of nowhere and nobody expected to happen. Spencer immediately connected with a story, not just as a football fan, but as a one-time high school kid on a field with a dream. His came true. Born in Crenshaw, Los Angeles, Spencer played football at Beverly Hills High School and went on to join the University of Oregon's roster. After competing as a duck, Spencer built up an NFL resume that includes the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the Carolina Panthers. He was part of the Giants team that won the 2011 Super Bowl. Spencer's life served as an inspiration for All-American, a CW show in which he serves as a consulting producer. Yes, we are already in deep meta territory, the football star who actually made his life into a Hollywood story was now on the front lines of sleuthing out the real fake football team. I want to start with your high school football experience. Tell me about what high school football meant for you. Oh, man, high school football. Uh, it was Friday nights. It was not really playing for anything except for each other. You know, this is before like contracts and NIL and all that. So being in Los Angeles, there's a high school every like two miles, three miles. 
So it really gets kind of clickish when it comes to just Friday nights, you know, football, the, the whole CIF in Los Angeles thing. I'm not going to say it was like a gang, but it was kind of like gangs. Like we would run around to different high schools, you know, talking crazy, talking best, knowing that we were going to see them later in the season or later in the, later in the year. So, but overall it was just fun. It was, it was knowing the map of Los Angeles based on what high school you went to and what sports you played. So that's how a lot of guys, you know, even my age, you know, I'm 35 now. A lot of my guys that are still in Los Angeles, the first question we ask is what high school did you go to? Because then that tells us what sports you played and then possibly who you might know. So it was almost like a, like a map, Los Angeles football mapping. You're part of the small percentage of high school athletes to go on to play high-level college football. Can you talk a bit about why getting a D1 scholarship is such a prized thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that having that D1 mark underneath your name is it's prestigious. You know, it's, it's kind of like, to put it into everything terms, it's like going to Harvard. It's like going to Yale as an athlete. It's, it, it's something that you can always have in your resume. Nobody can ever take it away. And you're part of such a small group of athletes that are able to accomplish such a feat. It's, it's one of those things where specifically even power five conferences, like the Pac-12, the SEC, ACC, and those schools, if you're able to get a scholarship to go D1 specifically in those schools, you know, it feels like you're almost there to reach your dream. As a prep athlete, you're always thinking about going pro. You're always thinking about, you know, wanting to get the big contract once you become a, a professional athlete. But going D1 is almost just as good once you get that first letter where school wants to offer you. That's a great segue into BS High. What do you remember about where you were when the IMG Bishop Sycamore game was unfolding on ESPN? Oh, man, I think I was out at lunch with friends. I kept seeing tweets about what's going on. This is crazy. Um, people in the sports world, commentators just kind of hinting at it because it felt like as the game was going on, more and more people were tuning into it. And I didn't think much of it until I started reading up on the articles that were, I think they dropped literally the next day or, or within those next couple of days. And I didn't watch the game live. I didn't see the game live, but it was just this, this phenomenon that came out of nowhere and nobody expected to happen. I was researching, looking at old, looking at old tweets that people had, you know, 24, 48 hours prior and just really rooting in the fact that like, how did this whole thing happen? Like what were they unprepared? Because you never, you never thought that it could be what it actually was. You just always thought maybe they just had a bad day. Maybe something. Were they sick? Something. But as things started rolling out, I just felt like there was there had to be a story there. So you went from thinking, "Oh, this is a big blowout," to like, "There's something else here." Yeah, I mean, when you when you think of IMG Academy, you know those those guys are real. You know, they they steam well through through all the competitions. So even if you're good, and mind you, coming from California high school sports, like we have a couple powerhouses just in our own neighborhood. So when you're when you're looking at a team that is blowing it up. What was it? 58 to zero or 55 to zero. I want to, I want to say you just think, yeah, they, they are supposed to do that. Every, every inch of their day is carved into blowing people out. You know, they're on schedule from like 7 a.m. to like 8 p.m. every day. Like if they're not blowing you out by 40 points, like it's a loss for them. So I came into it thinking this is just another team that got blown out. But then once the story started coming out that they're sharing helmets and there wasn't uh, a proper roster given to the commentators. I was like, okay, there's something else here. When did you switch from football fan to producer mode? My first move was I, I sent it around to a couple friends jokingly. 
um, my producing partner, Dane Mork, um, my, my friend, uh, uh, Alex Rickenbach, and I think my brother-in-law, Alex Duckworth. And I was just jokingly like, there's a story here. Like we should go get it. Like just jokingly. Cause I, again, I'm, I'm an independent producer. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm, you know, 3000 miles away from where the game never happened, 2000 miles away, not. So I'm just thinking about it from a fan perspective or from the hubris of saying, what would happen if I were to get this story or at least to find somebody to get me into this story. And, you know, two out, two out of my, my three friends, like hit me back, just kind of jokingly like, Oh man, this is crazy. But Alex Rickenbach was the first guy that was like, no, I think you're right. Like, let's see if we can go get this. So in that moment, he, he texted, um, Adam McKay, who he's a collaborator with Adam McKay. And about five minutes later, Adam McKay sends him a message saying like, holy shit, go get this if you can. And that's all I needed to hear. So I, I immediately went into like activation mode and started trying to find any type of thread to lead me into this world. I love it. I mean, it really is kind of the real life plot of an Adam McKay movie. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, mind you, I'm coming into this thinking, this is a scripted idea. Like this, this is a TV show. This is a feature film. This is a, like, think of the big short, obviously another Adam McKay title, but I'm thinking about it from scripted. That's where my mind always is. But when we started peeling back the layers of this, we thought like, no, this could be a really cool feature documentary if, if we even get to that point. That wasn't even the idea at that point. It was just, let's just have a conversation with uh, possibly some of the athletes and maybe some of the coaches. I wasn't, wasn't trying to get them to sign anything early. I just wanted to say, hey, I just want to know what the real story is because obviously I understand that the media spins in certain ways, but you're, now you, you know, you're, you're looking at these kids, they're, they're anywhere from 17, 18, 19 years old. And the whole country is, is trying to pry and, and pretty much make a joke out of them. Um, rightfully so in some parts, but at the end of the day, I understand what that feels like being a professional athlete, understanding that like one false move and you'll be the laughing stock of Twitter for a whole week. So I just really want to understand their perspective, not necessarily trying to aim for a three act structure at that point. It was, let me just understand where you guys are coming from and what actually happened. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I feel like all of that press and football Twitter is so focused on Roy, but you immediately went to the kids. You know what it's like to be that kid out on the field. Exactly. Exactly. Especially, you know, you're talking about prep academy, like a prep academy, that system. So a lot of these guys are trying to get, they're, they're trying to get film to go to the D1s, to go to the D2s and whatnot. So off the bat, you know, they don't have that many resources. You know that they're likely, you know, the only person in their family attempting to try to get to college or, or beyond. It was, it was coming from a place of empathy of just wanting to understand, Hey, I, I know you guys feel like you guys are all alone right here, but there's at least somebody in this world that just wants to understand your perspective because I know, I know what happens when Twitter catches hold of a thing and tries to just rip it apart. What were your first steps in terms of trying to contact players and coaches to get them to open up in those first few weeks after the game? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, honestly, it was, I was just combing through social media. I, I found some roster online uh, and, and just started searching names on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, and then my friend Alex Rickenbach was doing the same. And we got it into a handful of players and I think uh, one or two coaches. And it was just knowing that All-American at this point was in, is in season, I want to say four. And I kind of understood that like All-American had become sort of this generation's Friday Night Lights. You know, it's football, it's high school, it's stakes, it's 
you know, good city, bad city, vice versa. So I came in with, I came with the thinking, maybe they have watched all the before, And if they haven't, maybe they've heard of it. So my initial pitch was, Hey, my name is Spencer Pacinger. I'm, I'm a writer producer in All American. It's loosely based on my life. I don't understand necessarily what you're going through right now, but I feel like I can empathize with it. I just want to hear your story. And I, I see you sign anything. I'm not trying to, you know, talk shit to you guys, but at the end of the day, I just want to know, like, what is your side of the story? Some people never hear me back. Um, some people were indifferent where, and I, I had a couple of people say, okay, let's jump on a phone call. What did you learn in those first three phone calls? It was shocking to hear some of the players and, and specifically one of the coaches because it felt like at first everything was a big misunderstanding. It felt like they were just unprepared. Uh, it felt like their game plan was just, just wasn't as good as IMG. Once I realized that it was, okay, let me see if there's, if there's a possibility of, of going deeper into who you guys are, where you guys are. Cause at this point it was just understanding what was happening in the game. But when you started to ask some of the players and a couple of the coaches, you know, where they came from, how they got brought into to Bishop Sycamore, that's when it started to feel like, oh, there's something else here. There's, I think we're still on the right track. What was your first interaction like with Roy? Um, my first interaction with Roy, it was, it came by surprise, by absolute surprise. Mind you, the stars must have aligned for me to work on this project because this story happened mid-August, I want to say. And my university, Oregon, I went to University of Oregon, they were playing Ohio State that like next weekend or two weeks after. And this was already when I was in just the heat of trying to find guys I would connect to the Bishop Sycamore and whatnot. And I had already planned months before. I already had tickets, had my flight booked to be in Columbus, Ohio that two weeks after for the Oregon game. I started telling players, I mean, some of the coaches and players like, hey, I'll be out there. Ironically, I'm going to the Oregon Ohio State game. I'm down to stay an extra day or two if, if it's, if you guys are comfortable sitting down with me, we can grab lunch or whatnot. So I ended up doing that at this time. Rory was kind of in the wind. Nobody really knew where he was. If he was still in town, he wasn't answering anybody's phone calls. And I didn't, me, me or Alex never had a beat on him. While we were in Columbus, Ohio, word came out that Michael Strahan and Smack signed Rory to like a, uh, some type of deal. So I already knew he was sort of off the board, but he was still in the wing. Like even some of the coaches I was talking to, they had no idea where he was. Kind of like possibly had no idea where he was. I'm sitting there at this point and we're having lunch with two of the coaches and one of the coaches son. And all of a sudden, Boy just walks up and sits down. And by this, it's like, I was like, wait, you're like, you're like Jaws. Like we're not supposed to see, we're like, you're, we don't see you. And all of a sudden you're right here. You're like the great white buffalo, you know? And all of a sudden he sits down and he's very, he's very warm. He's, he's talking as if this never happened. He's just having conversations and like, he like acknowledges us, but you can tell he's kind of like gauge, gauging who we are. And, and it was such a crazy experience because I didn't expect to see him at all. I thought that he would be just like in his house shades. You know, when somebody's sort of on the run, you think they're not walking around smiling, laughing just in the daylight, but there he was sitting three feet from me. Tell me more about those first conversations with them. What was your first impression of him and what had gone down with Bishop Sycamore? My first impression of Roy was it was, wasn't what I expected. Um, I, I mean, I come from a family of, of older black coaches. So in my head, I know what a high school football coach looks like. 
I know how they talk. I know their mannerisms because they are my father. They are my uncles. I have been around this culture, ingrained in this culture since I was born. To have him come up, he had some signs of it, but there was almost, there was like a grandiose about it. There was a, he was unapologetic about everything that happened because it felt like he was being driven by a mission that nobody else understood. It was recalibrating at first. I was trying to figure out like, what is my end to like gain his trust? Cause you can tell he, he was, he was cordial with me, but knew he was going to let us in past a certain point. And Roy likes to, Roy likes to hear himself talk. You know, like that's, that's somebody that if you give him some yeah and okays, like he'll take a conversation 10 or 15 minutes without you having to say anything else. We'll have more of this conversation in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's pull back for a second. I think a lot of this movie is about the coach-athlete relationship. How did you see Roy's relationship with those athletes? Putting yourself in, in the mindset of, of a lot of the kids that came through Bishop Sycamore, these guys have almost no options. These guys have been told that they were great at some point and they had a skill that can possibly get them D1 and beyond. And then the resources to help facilitate that skill and, and grow that skill have been stripped from them. So, excuse me, a lot of these kids, they're living at home with no real direction, no real path. They're still holding onto that dream that they can, they, you know, they're, they're 18, 19 years old. Physically, they can still do the job, but they have no way of going about doing it in an effective manner because a lot of them have possibly dropped out of high school or, or graduated from high school and, and have, didn't get that offer to go on to the next level. When you have somebody that is a coach that looks like them, that talks like them, that understands the culture in which they are, you know, bred in saying, yo, come over here. We'll get you game tape. We'll get you to that next level. We're just, we're the best pit stop that you can have on your road to success that you want to get back onto. It can, it's trusting. It can be predatory. I've seen a lot of other coaches be predatory when it comes to this. 
it's hard for an, an 18, 17, 18, 19 year old kid to look at that and go, why wouldn't I at least try it? If I have nothing else going on at home and somebody literally came to my city, found me, this is just like recruiting. This is how recruiting goes. And I've always wanted to be recruited. So why wouldn't I take this guy up on his offer if I have no other options? One of the things that was really important about the film was showing how convincing the pitch was to these kids to come to BS High. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even telling, asking Roy, like, what was his pitch? I used to drive around the neighborhoods to find kids. I would just go into neighborhoods and I'd look what was familiar for me, right? He would rent the flashiest car possible. I think it was a Range Rover at this time. And he would go into cities because they respected the cities that he was going into, the hoods that they were going into. They respected flash. They respected fast talk, confidence. Hip hop was so influential on, on, on my pitch to talk to kids that literally I would talk to them about recruiting football and I would use Suge Knight's line because of what he said about bad boy. If you don't want your coach all up on your Twitter talking about how he made you hot, come to Bishop Sycamore. He's going into these cities saying like, yo, point me to your best athletes. I got opportunity for them. The hard bodies that are in those cities that he's talking to respect the image of what he presented. And are like, okay, this guy is real because they have almost no metric, no other metric to go off of. So the pitch is, I don't really have to say much. You see me in a nice car. You see me in nice clothes. I'm, I'm looking you in the eye. I'm talking confidently and I'm giving you an opportunity. What else is there to say? What else is there that you need to know besides something's moving over here and you better jump on it before it leaves you in the dust? When did things shift for you with Roy? I would say it started just the the constant conversation with him. I don't think he knew it, but he was kind of talking himself in circles and revealing himself in parts. You know, he he was very much attempting to get us on his side of this story by saying everything's been blown out of proportion and this is why. But when we started to talk about talking to people around the incident, they all had a similar story of, of things weren't being paid, paid on time, if at all. His whole stick was very Robin Hoodish. Oh, it's a it's a white collar crime. Like credit, they're not going to have to pay for it. You know, it was little things like that that really made me think. Well, not necessarily in this situation, but just as a man moving in this world, that's not how things should be handled. And the fact that you're overseeing, you know, forty to fifty kids now, they're getting that perspective and they're thinking that's right. And for me, as a as a father. As, a, as an athlete that has been coached by these type of people, that's a, that's a red flag in my opinion. There was a moment I don't believe made the film when he did his big sit down in February here in Los Angeles. There's a point where you hop in the interviewing chair and I was wondering if you could talk about that and what happened and what your takeaway was. Yeah, when, I, when I'm sitting there talking to him, it was, it was a long three days, high, uh, high energy. He, know, he knows how to sustain his energy. That's one thing I will give to Roy. That, that guy is, he has B12 shots or whatever. But sitting in the chair, you can clearly tell that he can transform himself into whoever you need him to be. And it's based on whoever's talking to him. So, you know, you have Martin in there who's being fun. You know, he's being casual with him, but Martin knows how to press those buttons in a very loving way and, and kind of can get him to certain points. And then you have Trayvon who wants the information. Trevor, he's somebody that's like, yeah, I can laugh with, I can laugh with you and we can joke around or whatever. And I know you're going to get me to digress on what I'm actually saying. But at the end of the day, I know I'm going to be able to go back to this information. Whereas with me, he felt that kinship 
somehow because he knew I came from the same world as the kids that he was with. He, I almost resembled, and he has said this, he's like, you resemble the end game for a lot of my kids. So sitting down in that chair with him, it was very much him talking to me as if we were buddy buddies and everything going, going happening around us at this moment um, didn't matter because me and him were right here. And it was, it was, it was just interesting. It was interesting because although I, I always carried myself around him and around the Bishop Sycamore, uh, the BSI project, keeping some level of critique and, and, and bias away from it, he always wanted that connection between me and him. He wanted me to see him as like I see my father, like I see my uncles. And I don't think I ever gave that to him, which I, I don't know if he likes that. I don't know if he didn't like that, but I knew whenever we would talk, he was attempting to get me on his side. There was a moment he was trying to explain to you, a former NFL player, what football is. To me, that's Roy's genius. I would tell anybody, Roy is a genius. Roy is smart. He is capable. If you give him a task, he will do the task better than a lot of people that you know. It's just there's something about him that always wants to take the left turn when he should go right. You know, I'm showing him the roster because at this point, like, we feel like we've caught him in a lie. We feel like he's, he's been fast talking. We're like, no, let's stick to this one point. This isn't the roster that was you guys had. And it's just the names weren't there. The number, the, the, it was just a weird amalgamation of names put onto a paper and sent off somewhere. Whenever Roy feels like he's about to get caught in a lie or somebody has something on him, he will start twisting and turning and he'll give you some of the truth, but then he'll wrap it in a cloud of gray and force you to figure out where exactly it is. And I, and I truly believe that is his skill. I just loved thinking about what was going through your mind. Someone who has won a Super Bowl getting football explained to you by Roy. I'm just sitting here like, okay, I, like, you know, I've been where I've been and you know, I've done what I've done. And yet you're you're still trying to coach me on this and tell me like, don't be a coach right now. I don't need a coach. You're not a coach right now. You're a subject in a documentary about a lot of the foul things that you have done. Yeah. Whenever, whenever that happens, I just let him and other people, I just let them talk and, and exhaust themselves and then just get right back to the question. I had. It says so much about him and you stayed absolutely cool. <laughs> because I know, I, I, I know, somewhat of a bullshit artist when I see one, I've been around him. And even I think it's because I've had such a long journey in the football. I've seen other coaches like that. I've seen other coaches that have no ability that have just got into this game with by, by a friend and have been tugged along by friendships and, and back alley deals and whatnot. And it's like, when the lights are on you, when you have to answer a question and you stumble asking that question, I'm not going to say, I'm going to let you talk yourself into a corner and then you're going to have to figure it out. Whether you know it or not, I know you're a bullshit artist. So I'm going to smile. I'm going to yell, okay, you, and I'm going to let you talk. And we're going to answer this question either way. Did producing this film bring up any emotions for you, seeing these kids trying to get to that next level, something that you were so passionate about at the same age? It was, it was tough. Um, it was, it was extremely hard because I've been in that position of just wanting that first scholarship, wanting a school or a team to just take you seriously and bring you on board and say, Hey, you're with us now. You know, for me, my first scholarship happened, you know, midway through my senior year. And that may sound like, Oh, 
you, you know, the red carpet was rolled out for you, but as an athlete, like you want that first scholarship offer by maybe junior year. Now it's getting to the point where they're offering guys freshman, sophomore years, even younger than that. So I remember those days of, of knowing once I step on the field, I have to perform. I have to catch this pass. I have to make this tackle because if I don't, I'm staying with Los Angeles. And in all honesty, there's nothing for a 17 year old kid in Los Angeles. So to go from that down the trajectory that, I mean, up the trajectory I went to, be able to come back and see, see young men in a position where they were straining on the field. They did catch those passes. They did, they did make those tackles and still nobody paid attention to them. They didn't have any options. It's, I just had a, a tremendous amount of empathy for them because I, I just understand what would happen if nobody came knocking on my door except for one person. One option is better than no option. I can understand how, how vulnerable they were in that position and what happens if they said no. You know, a lot of these kids, they, they did come from, you know, underserved communities. They were involved in, 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 in gangs and violence and whatnot. So just to have somebody put their arm around you and say, Hey, I got you. I know exactly what that feels like. And I know what that feels like when nobody else is doing it, when nobody's knocking on that door. So it was, it was, it was hard those, those days with, with the kids interviewing them. Some kids I've, I've stayed in touch with a handful of them. Um, there's some that are like in college right now made, you know, made the team and I just wish the best for them, but. I just wish they didn't have to go down the road they went to. You understood immediately how high the stakes were. And there's such a fragile point right in these guys' lives. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't talk about it, but we 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 put high school football on this pedestal where, you know, you're playing for the love of your friends and your team and your high school and whatnot. So there's no contracts involved. There's none of that. And maybe that's changing now with the new rules with NIL and all that stuff. But when you really peel back, Peel back the, the, the allure of it. It's what a $5 billion a year industry. Like this is big business. And unfortunately, when that happens, when, when money can be made on a product, people are going to fall through the cracks. And these are those kids that fell through the cracks and were doing everything they could to, to find the light again. In April, IMG Academy sold for $1.25 billion. I'm curious what you think. How will a seismic deal like that change high school sports? I'd say the best case scenario for that. Overall, more resources for the athlete to to find themselves off the field as well. You know, I, when I talk to young athletes in, in high school and even younger, I always want to know what they're doing off the field. I always want to know what they're interested in because at the end of the day, 0.001% of football players go pro. When I'm talking to these athletes, wanting to know what they're doing off the field, it's not, it's not to shun football or, or just to find something else interesting. It's knowing that if you decide to play football in America, that structure is designed to get the most out of you. You know, if you get a D1 scholarship, you have to try to fail. You have to actively try to fail in college if you have a scholarship because there's study hall. There's mentors, there's advisors, there's people you talk to every day about your classes, and the structure is designed to keep you eligible, so your product of the field always is accounted for. So when you're when you're talking to these kids and and they're talking about, oh, I want to go to IMG Academy, oh, I want to do this, I'm like, yeah, that's great. But you have to realize once you once you make that commitment to go to IMG Academy, you are now again a cog, a, a cog in the wheel that is turning. And what you said, 1.2 something billion dollars? Yep, 1.25. That's, I mean, 
that's great. But at the end of the day, the journey almost stays the same. You can put all the resources in early. You can get these kids out of now eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and put them on this path. But at the end of the day, there's only so many positions in the NFL and beyond in other sports. You can put these kids through all these things. You can, you can prep their bodies as best as possible. They can be the, you know, a hulking beast coming out of, coming out of high school into IMG and whatnot. But at the end of the day, there's not a spot for them. There's not a spot for them. And now they, they, they've taken this path and they're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, twiddling their thumbs, wondering what is life now because they've invested so much in it. I don't know how it gets better. I don't know how $1.2 billion into IMG Academy makes them, makes it better for the student. I just think that the people that are invested in that school are probably making a pretty penny off of it. What impact do you hope the film will have? I would say the impact, the impact I, I hope it would have would be to allow these young kids to be kids, to not force them down a system that is going to get as much as it can out of their minds and bodies and kind of spit them out on the other end and not really look back. I think you talk to some of these parents that you think you would, they, they want the best for their son, but, or the sons or for the children in general, you can tell that they're also trying to reach for something a little bit beyond their means because they do know what comes with the bright lights and the big stage of professional sports. So I would hope that, you know, the kids that are, the parents that are considering sending their kids to the IMG of the world and, and for the people that are attempting to create the next IMG, it's come at it with a sense of empathy and grace for the product in which you're trying to build. You know, these are, these are young bodies. These are impressionable minds. Like these kids will do anything you tell them to do. And there's a lot of good in that. But there's a tremendous amount of bad. So, you know, for whoever watches BS High, to me, the big takeaway is just protect your kids. Protect your kids at all costs. Thanks so much to Spencer for joining us. So with Coach Roy Johnson agreeing to be in the film and all sorts of questions about what really happened, it was time for Roy to get in the hot seat for a long interview with BS High directors and crew. Do I look like a con artist? That's what I'm asking. Do I look like a con artist or do I do like like regular normal person? Okay, yeah. it was a specific question. You know. In our next episode, we'll talk to co-director Martin Desmond Rowe about that sit down. It was overwhelming. It was the most intense interview experience of my life by far. Of course, you can catch BS High on HBO and streaming on Max, and you can follow this series right here on The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.